Welcome to the Health and Wellness Practitioners Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Danielle Angela. In this show, I and my guest experts will talk about everything from getting your practice started to developing your clinical skills, growing your practice your way, and of course, dealing with the real stuff like burnout and work-life balance. Whether you've been practicing for decades or just started your journey, you'll find something here for you. So take a deep breath and enjoy the show. Hello. I'm here today with a new guest to the podcast. Her name is Jamie Van Kyke, and Jamie is an expert in growing teams. We are going to talk specifically today about how to release control and overcome your delegation fears, which I'm very excited to hear from Jamie about because I know, I know you all, (laughs) and I know how much you struggle with letting go of control and delegating things to your team and trusting that that they've got it. But it's so important for you because... Uh, especially as your calendar continues to fill up with your clients, you can't continue doing it all yourself. We'll talk more about that as uh, we dive into Jamie's interview today. To get us started, we're going to dive into rapid fire questions. Jamie, first question is, why did you choose the career path that you're on? Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to run my own business since I was in college. And I went into the corporate world at first and uh, decided to learn everything I could while I was working for someone else. Finally left my corporate job after seven years and started a business that I turned out I hated. I took opportunities to figure out what I really wanted to do. I knew I loved consulting, said, what should I do with consulting? And to really figure out what I should do, I attended a bunch of chamber events and I always found myself gravitating towards small business owners while I was there. Love talking to small business owners. And when I was just having casual conversations about where struggles were, what kept coming up over and over and over again was hiring that people didn't hire before doing it within their own business, or they didn't know what they were doing. And they were going through constant bad hire after bad hire after bad hire before finally finding a good hire. And people were wanting help in that area. I couldn't find a lot of people that were really supporting the small, small businesses with hiring help. I said, Mm -hmm. I have the knowledge, let's do it. So that's kind of the quick story on how I got onto this path. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. What fills you up? Yeah. So what really fills me up is anything that really involves being outdoors. I love traveling. I love going different places and going hiking and just exploring nature around. And especially when I'm doing it with my, with my kids and my family, just really experiencing the world around us. Yeah. My kids and I have a trip planned to Echo Bluff State Park for actually my birthday weekend this year. And I cannot wait. We have been trying to get a cabin at this park for about almost two years now. And I finally, I was on the wait list. I finally got a call and they were like, we have a cabin available and it's available on this date. And this my birthday weekend. I was like, Oh my God. Perfect. Yes. I cannot wait. Um, question number three, what do you like the least about running your own business? Oh goodness. I like marketing the least. You know, if I could spend all day, every day just working with my clients, I would do it. Um, I have been able to delegate some of my marketing off, but you know, there's still a lot that I need to be involved with personally. And it's one of those things, if I could push it down the to-do list, I do. So it's also one of those good things that I am able to delegate some of it. So some of it actually gets done. Yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast episode will resonate with that. (laughs) Yes. 
Next question is, what book do you think that every person should read? Yeah. So my, the book that I love that I think, especially all business owners and leaders should read, it's called Turn the Ship Around by David Marquette. He was a captain in the Navy and it's about how he took this, this submarine assignment where it was a submarine where pretty much people were, would go as their last assignment in the Navy and then decide to leave and got it to like the highest retention rate in the Navy for submarine um, people. And he, he just did it by applying leadership skills that he had learned and turning everyone there kind of into a self-leader who was responsible for their own task and really end up loving their job and, you know, great. And, and I read this book and at first my husband gave it to me for Christmas and I was just like, why do I want to read a book about the Navy? Like that just doesn't seem like an interest to me. And I couldn't put it down. It was, I think one of the first business books I actually read cover to cover, like in rapid fire. Cause I was just like, oh my gosh, tell me more, tell me more. It's just, it's written in a great way. And it gives so much amazing leadership tips. Awesome. That is not one I've heard of. I've definitely not read it. So I will be checking it out myself. And last question for you for now is on a scale of zero to 10, how crunchy are you? Oh, goodness. I would probably have to say about probably about a five. Like I do love nature. I love like, you know, kind of looking at what it's what's the natural way, what's the organic thing, you know, all those things. But then there's a lot of stuff out there that I was like, oh, not quite there yet. So it's like that perfect mix for me where it's like that perfect mix of of crunchy and and not at the same time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm with you. I think we all need to do what works for us and also enjoy life in the process. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's dive into um, the topic for your interview today then, which is about overcoming the fear of delegating to our team members. And I had mentioned this to you before that before we were recording, I think it feels a little bit funny to ask you this, but can we define what delegation is before we go forward with anything else so that people, especially women, really understand what it is that we're talking about when we're talking about delegating to others? Yeah. Yeah. So delegation really is taking work that you would be doing and trusting someone else to do it. And Mm -hmm. that trusting is an important thing because it's not just giving someone else the work and then hovering over them while they're doing it or being there by their side as they're doing it. So you go from doing the task yourself to now overseeing the task being done like 100%. It's really trusting someone else to do the work, whatever that is from beginning to end. And that beginning to end point will differ based on the test. It doesn't mean they're going every, like everything. They could be doing 50% of a process and you doing the other 50% of a process, but they're owning the work. You're trusting that they're going to do it and they're going to do it well. And, you know, you're, you're getting that work completely off your plate and onto someone else's list of roles and responsibilities. Awesome. So tell me more about why delegating is so important, even for small business owners. Yeah, it is super important because you only have so much time and you can't get more time in your business. So when your business grows and your responsibilities grow and your client list grows, the only way to be able to continue scaling your business is to bring more people in to help you do the work that needs to get done. And if you think of it from a business owner perspective, when do you get paid? You get paid because you're seeing clients. You don't get paid by doing the back-end work. 
Yeah. You now that that work might allow you to get paid, but you really only get paid because you're seeing clients, because you're serving people. So you really need to delegate in order to be able to see more people, to not be so filled up with these back end tasks, or have your business be able to see more people, even if it's you not personally seeing every person yourself. It's that way to to scale and grow your business and earn more revenue, and in return earn more income yourself. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit more about why women, especially often feel so afraid to let go of the control of the things that they're doing, even though they feel overwhelmed and they feel run down and they feel sometimes exhausted with all the things that they're doing, they're still afraid to let someone else take over some task. Yeah. So this really has to do with a lot of mindset issues. And the most important being that a lot of times as women, we're we're put in this thing of we need to prove that we can do it all. And you know, a lot of times we we take that to an extreme, meaning that I can only prove that I can do it all if I personally do it all and I don't get help in any regards. Mm. And that's that's just not true. Like things grow to a point, as we said, like you run out of time and you can't do it all. So when we go and have to look higher help, we look at it as like, oh my gosh, like I must be failing because I can't do it all. And I like to kind of turn that mindset around. It's like when you grow your business to the point where you need help, it's it's a success. You yeah. can't do it all. Like you need to cheer. Like I can no longer do this all myself. I need to hire help because you've grown your business past the point where you can do it all. It's not something that you're failing. And that's one thing we have to look at. Like we're not failing because we can't do it all. It's a success because we can't do it all within our business. We then also fear giving the work to someone else because we say, are they going to do it right? Is it going to be worth my money? Am I just going to have to do it again myself? And we get in this mindset of no one can do things as well as I can, or no one's going to do it the same as I do it. And that's 100% true. No one's going to do it exactly the same as you're doing it, but it doesn't mean that the way they're going to do it is wrong. And that's the thing you have to get over is different is not always bad. Oh, I love the reframe of I'm not able to keep up with everything. So I'm failing to like, I'm not able to keep up with everything because I'm, I've grown my business to this point and I am successful. And that is why I need support to continue to grow and serve my clients and serve more clients even. And yes. that's amazing. Okay. So for someone that is feeling that way, who is like, I'm at that point where, yep, I have enough clients now that working in my business and working on my business is feeling really, really challenging, but the thought of hiring someone feels terrifying. What would you want them to know or do first? Yeah. So when, when you're really at that point, like you really need to first really look at is how are you negatively impacting your business because you're not bringing on help, you know, and really get into that thing of like seeing, here's what's going on because I'm not hiring. Like we went back and we, if we go back to one of those things of like, what do I like least about running my business? And I talk about, I said, marketing, I had a really aha moment when I was preparing to speak at a conference and it was about delegating tasks for your podcast. You know, what should you get off your plate for your podcast to really help scale your podcast? And 
I looked into my own podcast numbers to bring in some examples, and I was able to clearly see what happens with my podcast when I go all in with my marketing and what happens with my podcast when I don't go all in with my marketing. And it was seeing those numbers and how me leading the the marketing for my podcast really impacted its ability to reach people. And so sometimes when we take that step back and say, here's what's going on when I don't delegate, when I try to keep it all myself, can help you kind of see that impact that we all think that there's this cost to hiring, but there's also this cost to not hiring. So how are you hurting your business typically financially because you're not willing to release control? So once you start seeing that, it's going to help you realize what can happen when you start to delegate. And then from there, it's going in to figure out what exactly you should be delegating in your business in order to get the best return on your investment at that time. Yeah. So how does someone know what it is that they should be delegating? Yeah. So when you go and really look at like what's going on because you're not delegating, it will help you start to see really where those problem areas are. And sometimes I tell people is just start creating a list of things that you would like to get off your plate. These are things that maybe stress you out, things that you're always pushing down to the bottom of your to-do list, things that you're like, if there was two of me, I'd be able to be super productive here and get a lot more done. You know, things like that, that, you know, you really like to be able to give to, if there was maybe even a second of you that you'd give, like if you could clone yourself, what would you give that other person? And once you start having that list, go in prioritizing it based on what impact will it have on my business if I delegate this to somebody else, if someone else is doing it. And once you start to see what's really going to have the big impact, then you can start seeing what should you hire for now? What should that position be? What should their focus be? Because you want to start those things that are going to have those biggest impact so that way you can feel that impact in your business. And it's going to make you feel really positive about hiring versus hiring for something that, yeah, those tasks need to get done, but they don't quite move the needle yet. So you feel like you're just giving money out to get these tasks done instead of getting a positive return and growing your business because these tasks are off your plate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So someone is ready to make the leap and um, start delegating. What are they looking for in regard to who they're hiring? Yeah. So first you need to really figure out what, what that position is. Are you hiring someone that's going to be like a backend admin person for your business that's going to help behind the scenes? Are you going to hire someone who is seeing clients just like you are? So is pretty much a second of you? Or are you yeah. hiring someone that maybe is a, a hybrid in between? You think like a junior you that maybe is assisting you in some ways with your clients, but not necessarily seeing clients all on their own and helping you in the back end. So once you really figure out what type of role you're hiring for, Then you start figuring out what does my business need in this person? Who is going to be successful and how will I measure the success of this person? Mm -hmm. So for example, let's talk about admin positions. So this doesn't necessarily mean they have the title of administrative assistant or things like that. This could be your your office managers, your bookkeepers, your your people that are helping with those backend things. So they're not helping with the client-facing tasks besides maybe answering a phone or scheduling appointments or things like that, but they're not seeing the clients at their appointments. They're not doing that type of work. They're doing the other stuff that helps run the business. So you're operations type tasks. It could very well be that you need someone who's the complete opposite of you. 
that you are that great client facing person, but you don't have the skills to really be that operations manager and that back end manager of your business. That's not your expertise. So when you know that it needs to be someone who has different skills than you, then you can really focus on hiring someone who has those skills that can succeed in that role because you know that you're never someone who could succeed in that role. If it's someone that's going to be seeing your clients, well, then you might want to make sure it's a very similar client experience when they work with you versus they work with this other person in your business. So what are those things that make that client experience? What are those skills? What are those ways you that you work with clients that are different than how people work with clients in another practice? Those things that say, this is our culture of a practice and how we interact with our clients. And once you really focus on that, then you can focus on making sure you're bringing someone in that's going to fit the ability to serve clients that matches your practice. I think a lot of the women in our audience are, well, not I think they are, they're high achieving women and they've gotten to where they are. They've gotten all the credentials and the degrees and the certifications because they're very driven for whatever reason. And they are actually good at a lot of different things. And so one of the things that I can foresee or do see in my clients that holds them back from delegating to other people is they're like, well, I can do this. I can do this task myself. Why shouldn't I just go ahead and do it if I can do it? What would your response be to that? Yeah. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should be doing it. And one of the things I always tell my clients when they're really struggling with this is, does the task have to be done right or does it have to be done by you? Because if it just has to be done right, you can hire someone else to do it. There are things in your business as your business grows that have to be done by you. And that list is going to change as your business grows. You're going to realize as it grows, more and more stuff can come off your plate and be handed to other people. But there's a lot of things that don't have to be done by you. And as we talked about before, when do you get paid? How does your business make money? And your business is typically making money because you are meeting with clients. You are serving clients, which means, yeah, you can do those backend tasks. You can do your bookkeeping because maybe you're good at it. You can do it. But every minute you spend doing bookkeeping work is a minute you're not serving clients, which means it's a minute that you're not bringing revenue into your business. So one of the things that I tell business owners to do if they're really in this, but I can do it. I'm just getting it done. It's easy for me to do it. I can just quickly get it done is start tracking your time. Start seeing really where your time is going in your business. And there's a tool that I use. It's called Toggle that you can go in, you know, you put in what the tasks that you're doing, and then you can map out like where, where your time is being spent throughout the week. And you might start seeing that, yeah, you're working 60 hours a week, but 40 of those hours, you're doing backend admin work. You're only seeing clients 20 hours a week, but you're still working 60 hours a week, but it's only 20 hours a week. You're able to bring in income for your business. That doesn't look the same. That doesn't feel the same as if you're able to even just cut your work down to, let's say 40 hours a week and you're spending 30 hours with clients, 30 hours that you're bringing in revenue for your business, 10 hours where you're doing that CEO business owner work and you're able to delegate the rest of it, but you're able to bring in more income because of the fact that you are able to put your put your skills where your skills need to be to bring in the revenue. You know, there's these things called in our business like the $10 tasks, the $100 tasks, the $1,000 tasks. And you need to be spending your time on those high-level tasks and delegating and getting off some of those lower-level tasks from your plate because 
they cost less for someone to do them while you're bringing in the revenue, while you're doing those really high level tasks in your business. Yeah. I have been having some of my private clients monitor, measure, track their tasks by those dollar amounts weekly. And some of them are doing so much. It's unbelievable. And we create a score, like a weekly score that they want to get to, but they go way far past that weekly score. And in their mind, they're like, look how much I'm doing. And I'm like, wow, this is a huge problem. (laughs) Yeah. The score is showing me like, yep, they're doing a lot of high level tasks, but they're also doing a lot of lower level tasks. And essentially they're just doing it all. And so no wonder they feel overwhelmed. Right. But it's a, it's an objective way that I help them measure what they're giving their time to. And, um, not just like glorifying how much they're getting done, but really using that to actually decrease the score in some ways so that they're able to have more time freedom. Right. Exactly. Like no one really wants to be working 60, 70 hours a week. Like, yeah, that's just sounds draining. It is draining. And sometimes like we do that in our business because we're like, well, I'm a business owner. I just need to do this. I just need to get it done. And there are some cases when you're starting off that, yeah, that needs to be done because you don't have the revenue coming in to support hiring someone. But then there comes a point where it is 100% worth it to hire someone and get that work off your plate. So that way you're not working those long hours that you can be that attentive person your business needs and not just being drained and, and overwhelmed and feel like you're always working. Yeah. And let's not forget too, that when we do feel that way, we start to get resentful, um, not just for our business, but even toward our clients. And that's not really great for the longevity of the business. When you're feeling like, I don't even want to show up to all these appointments on my schedule because I'm just so overrun with all of these things that I have to do. Um, so for the longevity of the business, it is, um, in its best interest to, to solve those problems when you feel like you are doing it all and you're starting to get overwhelmed and burned out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Is there a specific benchmark that you recommend for people to get to when they are in this zone of doing it all, needing to delegate some tasks to have more time freedom or to focus on more revenue generating tasks, but they're not quite sure if the finances make sense? Yeah. So that's always a really tricky question because you really have to dive into your individual finances to see what's going on, see what your expenses are, see what you can really afford. It's it's one of those things where we're very quick to find room in our budgets for, for systems or tools or things like that, but we're hesitant to find room in our budget for people. And people can really make a great impact on your business. So we want we need to look at our budgets holistically to say, what can we really, really afford? But I like to take things a step back from there and say, be really before you're focusing on, can I afford a team member? Really figuring out, is it time to hire? Because if it's show, if your business is telling you that it's time to hire, and then you look at your finances and figure out can I afford a team member? If you can't afford a team member, then it really motivates you to figure out what can I change so I can afford a team member. Mm -hmm. But just to go quickly through those signs that it's time to hire, and I encourage all business owners to take time once a quarter to go through these signs in their business because otherwise you get just stuck in that, that pattern of doing 
And you're like, oh, I'll look at that later. I'll look at that later. And sometimes these signs are there and you just never look for them. So you completely miss them. Yeah. The first one is you're turning away your idea clients. So there's people that you want to work with, but you can't fit them into your schedule because you have so much on your plates. And so when you hire someone, when that's your issue, that's your sign that you need to hire, it could be hiring that backend person that's going to give you more time to focus on your clients. Or that could even be a sign that you need to hire someone else that's also going to serve your clients. So kind of like that second of you. The other one is you're getting, uh, you're losing customers due to poor customer service. So this could be that your customers are no longer feeling valued because maybe you're not very responsive or you're going into those appointments and you're just really feeling drained. And they're like, I'm not getting the same out of you today that I used to. Like, I, I don't feel that connection. I don't feel that I'm getting the value out of this. So they don't feel valued as a customer. So they decide to take their business elsewhere. And then the flip side of that is you're also losing customers before they become customers because maybe they're calling and inquiring about your practice and you don't get back to them until they've booked someplace else. Yeah. So it's one of those things of like, okay, there's things going on in your business that mean your business can't respond and give customers the service that they need in order to feel valued. So they take their business elsewhere. The third one is you want to do something new in your business, but you can't because your time is spent what on what you currently have. So maybe you're currently seeing clients one-on-one in person and you want to do some other option in your business. Maybe it's putting together a course or doing something where people can maybe like self-serve a little bit or complement your services or doing something like that or bringing in something else that's going to uh, expand your services. But you can't do it because you can only focus on how you currently serve clients due to your time. And then you can bring someone in to help get to that point where you can do both. You can add this additional service offering or product offering to your business. And then the fourth one is you lack the skill or knowledge that's needed to do something in your business. So there's things that early stages we have to learn how to do as business owners, because once again, we can't afford to hire a team member, but then it goes to that point where it's no longer worth our time to learn and struggle through tasks that would be cheaper for us to hire someone, an expert to do it. So when we talk about, once again, are you focusing on those $10 tasks or those $1,000 tasks? You need to be spending your time on those $1,000 tasks and you can hire an expert to do those $10 tasks or those $100 tasks because you can earn more money and the time it takes someone else to do that task for you. So you're earning the money to pay for that that team member to help you. So this is a signs that you really should be hiring. And then it's looking to say, can I afford this team member? And there's two ways to really look at that affordability is one, can you afford it in your current budget? And these are going to be for some of those tasks where maybe you are working those long hours and you're just like, I need to get work off my plate. So that way I can be my best person when I go speak to my clients, when I go work with my clients. And you have to look at your current budget to say, do I have the money to pay somebody? Yeah. And with that, a lot of people think help equals full-time work. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of help on a part-time basis yeah. or one-off projects or things like that. So you don't need to go all the way to an expense of a full-time employee. It can be a freelancer. It could be a contractor. It could be a part-time team member. My very first employee worked for me for 10 hours a week. You mm-hmm. know, So there's ways that you can bring in small help that make a big difference in your business. And then the other thing to look at it is 
what will happen if I bring in this person? So if you're going to bring someone in that's going to help get 20 hours of admin work off your plate, well, even if you filled half of that with more client work, more client appointments, and you're like, well, now I get 10 extra hours a week to see clients, that 10 hours of extra to see clients can bring in whatever you earn over 10 hours of seeing clients. So you have the ability to grow your revenue because you bring in help. Will that additional revenue you bring in cover the cost of that team member? And yes, you do need some reserve to pay that team member while you're then building up those clients you're going to see during those extra hours. But that that's your long goal. Longevity goal is I am going to bring in more money when I hire this person and it's going to eventually cover the cost of that team member. Yeah. Awesome. I think my last question for you is in regard to uh, feeling like really tied up in the the details of what you are intending to delegate to someone else. Or even, for example, if like you have brought on a team member and that person isn't doing it the way you want them to do it, what do we need to do in those kinds of situations? Yeah. So great question. Oh, I love this one. So first off, let's focus on like the hiring side of it. You have to be really clear on what you want this person to do and what your expectations are and what your measurements of success are before you hire. So that way you're not just filling the position with the body, you're filling the position with the right person for you. So you're really focusing on what you need because just because someone is good at what they do does not mean they're right for you. So -hmm. someone could be a great office manager but how they run like do tasks as an office manager, it could work really well in another practice, but it's not going to work well for you because it just doesn't match your expectations and your measurements of success. So first you need to make sure you're bringing the right person in the door. Once you have that person in the door, it's really to look at why are they not working out? Why are they not meeting the mark? A lot of the times, especially if you're new at delegating, it's because you didn't train them properly. You really didn't set expectations. In your business, you've been doing it. There's a lot of stuff that becomes second nature and you just do. And you just assume that people are just gonna know what to do. And they don't know how to do it for you the way you want it. So even if they've done a similar role elsewhere, they still don't know your way. They don't know your expectations unless you train them. There's a lot of clients that I would speak to and say, okay, well, when did you train your team member on this? And they think about it and they're like, oh, well, I never actually did. And we're like, well, that's problem number one is you need to train the team member. Yeah. You then also need to understand that people interpret things differently just based on their past experiences, their points of views, like, and all that stuff. So you could tell a team member you want it done one way And they interpreted those words differently than what you meant. So you need to sometimes help them understand the difference between what they're doing and what you want and how to really close that gap. Because it's not necessarily that they're maliciously doing it incorrectly. It's that they think they're doing it correctly based on how they interpreted your directions. So it's helping them see what that difference is and why that difference is important. So it's sometimes it's about going back in and retraining and helping people really understand what they're supposed to be doing. You can then measure to see, are they getting better now that you've put in that time and effort to retrain them, to really help them understand the expectations, or are they not? And if they're not getting better, it's always good to cut your losses and get someone else in there versus wasting so much time and energy 
on a team member that's never going to work out. But you do need to put in your due diligence to make sure that they really are capable of working out before you just jump to fire them. Because if it's if it really is that you're not setting the expectations correctly, if you're not helping them understand the difference between what they're doing and what you want, you're just going to get into that cycle over and over and over again that people are coming in and not meeting your expectations. Training is a big part of hiring. And it's really, it's really important to set those expectations. Well, it sounds like we need to have you back on the podcast for a whole other conversation about training team members, <laughs> because I yeah, love it point of so many people that listen to this podcast that, you know, they, they've brought on team members. They were really hopeful. They had great expectations for that person. But when it comes down to it, they don't know what kind of training to provide for that role. Um, especially if it's their first or maybe even second hire, they're just kind of like winging it and hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it really happens. There's a lot of companies I talk to It's like, okay, well, what is your onboarding plan? And they're like, well, they just come in day one, we show them around and there they go. And it's like, okay, no, no, no. It needs to be a little bit more than that. And they're like, well, I'm hiring experts. They know what to do. And I'm like, they don't know how to do it for you yet. Like that's the biggest thing. It's like, even if you think the simplest job, well, this job is not always simple, but kind of the most fixed job, like bookkeeping, bookkeeping is bookkeeping is bookkeeping. Like it's different numbers, like different transactions, but the same, no matter like where. But still, like a bookkeeper, you still need to teach them your expectations. What do you want? When do you expect it? You know, things like that. What you want could be completely different than what their previous boss wants. But if they do things based on what their previous boss wanted, because that's what they know, and it's not what you want, you're disappointed. Mm-hmm. So it's a job that, yes, it's the same, but the the differences make a big difference when it comes to your expectations. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. Um, If people would like to learn more about you and connect with you, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so the best place to go is you can head on over to growingyourteam.com where you can see more about how we work with clients. You can access the Growing Your Team podcast from there and a bunch of our uh, other resources that will help you on your path to hiring amazing team members for your business. And we also have a free download resource for your listeners. This is our uh, hiring checklist. So it brings you through the eight steps that you need to go through to get great team members on your team. And you can grab that at growingyourteam.com slash health and wellness practitioners. Awesome. Thank you so much for putting that together. That's going to be really valuable for our listeners. Yes. Hey, thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. If you love this podcast, then be sure to join our free community, the health and wellness practitioners group over on Facebook where you can continue the discussion and get to know other people in the community as well. We're a group of chiropractors, naturopaths, acupuncturists, midwives, doulas, massage therapists, mental health therapists, counselors, nutritionists, and the list goes on. So come join us, get to know other people, build some personal and professional relationships. You can find the group by heading to drdanielleangela.com forward slash community and request to join the group. I will see you inside from there.